0: Someone once said, it's unattributed, but someone once said that one of the nice things about Christmas is that you can make people forget the past with a present. It's a lovely saying, and I think there's a lot of truth to be said to that. Because when you think about Christmas, Christmas is a season not always or necessarily about Reflection. In fact, Christmas, I think at the very heart of what this season is about, and the idea and the truth that God came to be with us is about the present. The present of Jesus, but also the present that we are in, that the things of the past don't have to hold us down any longer. The things that once were do not have to anchor or hold us back, because there is a truth in this season, the truth that God came to be with us. Matthew, out of the four Gospels, is the one who references this. Out of Isaiah, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means, God with us. And there it is. That's Christmas. Christmas that doesn't look towards the past, but actually a Christmas that looks towards the moment, the present moment, because God has come to be with us. And this is the great thing about Emmanuel, God with us. It is not a past tense coming. It is a present moment truth. That God with us is not something that happened 2,000-something years ago. God with us is a truth that affects us to this very day. And so when that angel declares out out of the Gospel of Matthew that there will be a virgin and she will conceive and she will give birth and we will call Him Emmanuel, which means God is with us, there is a truth in the present moment that God is here. And God is alive. The truth of this season or of this time is that the one who came to be with us, Emmanuel, gives us hope. He brings peace. And there's a joy that comes in the presence of a child that changes the now and the future. Sure, you can't change the past. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, God's not coming in to change the past. He's coming in to change the present so that the future will be different because God with us ought to alter everything about us. Because the light of love has come into this place. The light of love has come into our world. Emmanuel is here. And Emmanuel didn't come to educate you. Emmanuel didn't come to rule you or to rule your nation. He didn't come to fix your economy. He didn't come to entertain you, to pleasure you. He didn't come so you could have prestige or wealth or status. God with us came to love. John chapter 3. Picking up in verse 16. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through Him. Emmanuel doesn't condemn. Emmanuel doesn't destroy. Emmanuel doesn't control. He doesn't push. He doesn't hold over. No, Emmanuel does exactly what John refers to in verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Love. Emmanuel chooses to be present in my life and in yours, for one very important reason to love. Um, there's this thing I've started doing this semester, especially with my two older girls. Um, when I wake them up for school in the morning, get up pretty early in the morning, um, they don't want to get up, as you can imagine like at 6.30 in the morning, right? It's early, they're groggy, and I'll go in and I start waking them up and, and, I, and I hear grunts that I can, I can only translate as get out of my room now, right? And so I'm, I always let them know what's for breakfast and I say, hey, it's time to get up, you know, this is for breakfast so let's start getting up right now and there's nothing, there's silence, right? It's just kind of this uh, condemnation that I'm there interrupting the moment, Right? And so the thing that I started doing, it became something I just did and I noticed there was always a response. I would never get a response if I gave them breakfast or told them the menu, right? I never gave them a response if there was something special going on that day and reminding them as I woke them up that what was going on that day. But I always got a response as I wake up the, my two older girls. I'd wake them up and I, I, I'll say, I love you. Now, I may not always get the words I love you back. Often I do but I always get a gentle grunt, at the very least. <laughs> and they respond to that. And I think in a lot of ways, and the reason I tell you that is because I think, I think John chapter 3, 16 and 17, and, and in particular that entire chapter heading into chapter 4, most certainly, um, there is this idea that God so loved the world. And, and make it personal. That God loved you so much That he can't but help tell you that he loves you. And there's a response that comes out of that. There's a truth that comes from that moment where God shows his love, shares his love, tells us his love. And you know what? There are times where I can't get the words out or I don't know what to say, but there's a response. And John chapter 3, 16 and 17 does that. It is Christmas in a different way because it reminds us that this child who came into the world came out of love, not a spite. He came out of love, not for control. He came out of love so that life would continue in God. This is love. This is the Father who comes in and reminds us gently that He loves us because He sent Emmanuel to be with us. This is not true to me. It was a story of a father who was reading his daughter bedtime stories every night. She wanted more and more. and uh, Frankly, he was getting a little tired of reading the same stories over and over again, so he came up with this genius idea. He got one of those recorders, and he recorded himself reading the stories. And then one evening he handed it to his aunt and, said, and he showed her how it worked and said, look, all the stories you want are right here. And every night you can just press play and the stories, I, I, I'll be reading the stories to you. And this young daughter looked at the thing. She looked up at her dad and she goes, but this doesn't have a lap. There's something disconnecting about just conveying the information And John chapter 3, 16 and 17 is about not information, it is about presence. It is about the God Emmanuel who came to be with us. It is about the one who didn't just say, here's what you need to know or here's the things you have to do. It is about the Father who came to give us his lap through Emmanuel. So, first this morning. I want us to understand that love is a choice. I say this to every couple that I work with premarital counseling or I will work to marry, and I always remind them in many different ways at different times that you're going to have to choose to love each other. Because if you stop choosing to love each other, you'll stop loving each other. Love is a choice. And it's a choice that God has made and one He makes today. Emmanuel is a choice. God didn't have to come. In fact, I think it would have been a lot easier if He didn't come from His part or His standpoint. But He chose to come because love is a choice. And God, Emmanuel, chooses to love you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, no matter the things that you think are anchoring or holding you back, no matter your circumstances, no matter what, Emmanuel chooses you. And we have to stop thinking about our past or allowing our past to hold us down. We must stop allowing the things of old to be what what guides us into the future because there is a presence in Emmanuel that can determine what comes next. And we see this in God. We see this in Emmanuel, Jesus with us. All throughout His life and all throughout the four Gospels, Jesus, without question, Chooses to love people. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. Very early on in the ministry of Jesus, a man with leprosy came to him, Jesus, and he begged him on his knees, and he said, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus had compassion. He reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing. He said, Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Now, no one would have questioned Jesus for not choosing love to the man with leprosy. This man, breaking every law and every stigma of society, coming into the presence of clean people, coming into the presence of not just Jesus, but anybody, coming away from the leper colony, this man is a true outcast of society. He is a forgotten person because he has this leprosy. No one would have condemned Jesus for saying, you need to get away, you need to go away, you need to push yourself out of this circumstance, you don't belong here, no one but He chooses to be with the outcast, with the forgotten. He chooses love. He doesn't care about the circumstance. He doesn't care about the place. He doesn't care about what has happened in His life. He doesn't care about their disease. He cares about their heart and their soul. And Jesus is willing, and He is choosing to love this man. John chapter 4. Jesus... Goes to a well to draw water in the middle of the day. As he's there at the well, a Samaritan woman, John chapter 4, verse 7, came to draw water. So Jesus says to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. He was alone with her. And the Samaritan woman said to him, verse 9, You are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. How in the world can you ask me for a drink? Jews do not associate with Samaritans. They're vile. They're dirty. Jesus answered her. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked Him, and He would have given you living water. There's a choice that Jesus makes here. He doesn't care that she's a Samaritan. He doesn't care that she's a woman. He doesn't care about the past that that he will unravel later on in this story. He doesn't care about the circumstances, the sin and the baggage that anchors her down. It does not matter to him. He chooses to love her nonetheless. She's got a lot going on in her life, and yet Jesus... Breaks all kinds of cultural norms, all kinds of stigmas to speak with her, to be with her, to ask her for something, to be in her presence because love is what he chooses. Luke chapter 19. It's a tax collector named Zacchaeus. He hears about Jesus. He wants to see Jesus, so he goes. To a tree, he climbs up it so he can see him. Scripture says he's a short man. He wants to see; he just wants to get a glimpse of the one he's heard so much about. And so, as Zacchaeus is in the tree looking at Jesus coming along the road with the crowd that surrounds him, Luke chapter 19, verse 5 through 8, Jesus reached that spot, the tree. He looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, "Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today." Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly, and all the people saw this, and they began to mutter, He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. Verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up, and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. There is nothing in Jesus' schedule that said, Stop at tree and talk to Zacchaeus was so not pre-planned, predetermined. This was Jesus making a simple choice. And if you can't figure out what that choice is yet, listen. He chooses love. He sees a man who just wants to see him, and out of the choice that Jesus gives to love this wee little man, his life is changed forever. Just like the woman at the well, her life is changed forever because Jesus chooses to love her. And just like the man who has leprosy, his life is altered because Jesus chooses love. You see, love is a choice that changes lives. And when God makes the choice to come to be with us, it alters all of our lives because Emmanuel was a choice out of love. And that presence that presence changes the moment and it changes the future when love is a choice. And secondly, love is a gift. This is a gift, Emmanuel. I want to read just a little bit of 1 John chapter 4. 1 John's a wonderful little book full of definitions and reminders and bringing grace to the forefront out of love in 1st John chapter 4 verse 9 through 12 John says this This is how God showed his love among us He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him This is love Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Isn't isn't that a wonderful reminder out of 1 John? That the gift of love through Jesus Christ is one that spreads, it is like a light that infiltrates the darkness. It is a light that comes into the world as the Gospel of John puts it in John chapter 1. It is the true light that gives light to all. It is that light that is a gift. And when we recognize Emmanuel in the present, when we recognize the presence of Jesus in our lives, it is a gift because that gift of love is shared. When we love others. When we choose to love. Um, okay, there's a, there are... I, I, can think of, um, I can think of more bad things about social media than good things. But I want to share one of the good things about social media. And this has happened in the last few months. I have discovered uh, the Auschwitz Memorial Museum Twitter account. And it is by far the greatest follow that I have in social media. Because uh, the Auschwitz Museum is a memorial that preserves not just the physical sites, the physical site, but also the memory and stories of 1.1 million people that were murdered by Nazi Germans. Auschwitz, the largest and probably the most infamous of the German Nazi concentration camps, um, 1.1 million men, women, children, Jewish, non-Jewish, Catholic, all kinds of people were murdered between 1940 and 45. And 2020 is the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. And so you're wondering, well, how is this a good one? (laughs) Auschwitz uh, Museum Twitter account shares the stories and the lives of the 1.1 million men, women, and children who were murdered. And it's heartbreaking. And at times it is gut-riching but I cannot remember a time of reading their stories and seeing their pictures to where I was not uplifted. This is Henry. Henry was born in Hague in the Netherlands. On October third, 1942, he arrived in Auschwitz in a transport of over a thousand other Jewish people he was four years old when he was murdered in a gas chamber and I'll be honest that is heart-wrenching and is it's terrible and I pay attention and I notice that he was only four but here's the other thing I know is that Henry, despite his, Henry despite the circumstances to which he died? And no matter where he came from, he was loved. Someone and many people most certainly loved Henry. Um, this is one of the go to that next slide, Michael. Um, this stuck out to me on October 28, 1940 uh, during an afternoon roll call at Auschwitz a prisoner was found missing so a roll call began prisoners stood in the rain and snow until 9pm uh, the prisoner who had hidden from the rain was later found dead in the meantime 120 people died out in the rain and snow one of the Auschwitz survivors, um, Vladislav Barstrowski, lived through this event and through his time at Auschwitz. And he recalls this moment. This roll call was a shock, because then, despite I had already looked at the killing of people, I realized that everything could happen in the camp. Literally everything. Everything that is evil... There were no boundaries of evil. Darkness wants to rule. It wants to overcome you, take you, and ultimately destroy you. Auschwitz is a reminder of human evil and tragedy of darkness but the lives of those 1.1 million people are a reminder that love no matter the circumstance wins because it's a gift And if we allow darkness to rule, if we allow darkness to invade, if we allow evil to be a part of, we do that when we don't choose to love all people at all times and all circumstances. We do that when we choose not to give the gift of love that comes through Jesus Christ. Anything is possible. All evil is possible when there is not the true light to give light to all around us. That is the gift of Emmanuel. And church, brothers and sisters, friends, choose light. Choose to love so that evil... And darkness does not win. It's like a candle in the darkness. Jesus came as the true light to give all to, to, to all people. The true light came into the world, John chapter 1. The true light came. Because he chose you. I don't know what's holding you back. I don't know what anchors you in the past. I don't know what sin may be between you and your God. But here in this place, at this time, you can choose love. You can choose the love of Emmanuel. You can choose the gift that is the love of Jesus Christ this day, this place. You can choose the light that came into this world, that light to which we witness and testify in this worship and every day out of this place. This Christmas season is not about giving to you... It is about the light to which we accept. It is about the choice of love that came in Emmanuel. I'm going to make myself available in the back of this cafeteria if there's anything that this church can do. If you need this church in your life, the prayers of this church, please come find me in the back of this cafeteria. But please stand where you are and let's sing together the truth. In this place, the light has arrived. Brandon? (laughs)